Podcast Answer Man, episode number 421. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, this is Leo Laporte of This Week in Tech, and you're listening, (laughs) you're smart, to Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in, or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And well, my friends, taking things to the next level is obviously something that I'm extremely passionate about. And one of the things that I've tried to do in recent months is taking this podcast to the next level. And some might say, Cliff, you have achieved it, my friend. You have risen to the challenge and you have gotten back to your roots. You have returned to the fire that is the awesomeness of what you have created with Podcast Answer Man. And yet, there are some who might think, hmm, interesting what you've been doing with Podcast Answer Man lately. It's been valuable content. It might not necessarily be as appealing to me as what I've grown to come to look forward to in recent years with Podcast Answer Man. And, well, the reality is is that both of those things are absolutely true depending on who you are. Specifically, it depends on whether or not you're a relatively brand new podcaster or somebody who's getting ready to launch a podcast, somebody who is launching a podcast right now or somebody who is has just launched a podcast within the last couple weeks or months. If you are one of those folks, you probably have really enjoyed episode 409 through 418. If you are, however, someone who has been podcasting for the last, let's say, three or more years, and you've pretty much got all the technical details of the podcast down. You've pretty much selected all the equipment that you need, and it's very rare that you have the same type of technical questions as a new podcaster. Then episode 409 through 418 may seem a little bit basic in its depth of what's being discussed in the show. And, well, let me just give you a little history of what's been going on with Podcast Answer Man and my mindset behind it. For those who have been listening for a very long time, or at least since the beginning of this year, this show has been in flux. The podcast here at the beginning of the year kind of got a little wishy-washy. I would talk about things in Podcast Answer Man that maybe had nothing to do with podcasting at all, but had to do with more about my personal journey. Content that would more likely be suitable for another podcast that I do called Pursuing a Balanced Life, I found a lot of that leaking into this show. And, well, there were several people who really enjoyed that content coming over here, and there was a lot of feedback, actually not a lot, but there was a bit of feedback from some folks that says, you know what, this simply just does not live up to the title Podcast Answer Man. This this isn't content related to podcasting. I, I come here to hear more about how to take my podcast to the next level. And, and here you're talking about your achievement in your latest physical fitness endeavors. And that's not what I'm here for. You know, and, and I hear that feedback and, and every little bit of feedback that I get, it, it affects what I think about when it comes to the content that I'm creating. And so I had a lot of thoughts going back and forth about what do I do with this show? Well, back at the end of June, I was preparing to leave for a two-week family vacation to Europe. And I knew that I needed to record three episodes so that content would continue to come out while I was on vacation. And the thought occurred to me that, well, why not take the most common questions that brand new podcasters ask when they're starting a podcast? And so in episode 409 and 410 and 411, 
I did a three-part series where I simply took the most frequently asked questions that came in from my podcasting A to Z students. I went in and looked up my webinars that I did with them, wrote down all the questions that they asked, and I took the ones that came up the most frequently from all my other previous sessions of A to Z, and I said, okay, I'm going to break these into episodes, and I'm just going to, in random order, select a question and just give answers off the top of my head. And this was actually pretty easy to produce when it came to those three episodes. I mean, it, it, it was a piece of cake. I just hit the record button and did my intro, asked the first question that was on the list, and gave my answer off the top of my head, went to the next question, boom, 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 I was done. Three episodes, easy as pie, and I got them edited tightly, and then I published one of them, and then scheduled the other two for release while I was on vacation. Went great. I was getting some great responses from those episodes. People were saying like, hey Cliff, it's great to hear you talking about the technical aspects of podcasting again and really enjoyed this. And that positive feedback came a lot from the people who are relatively brand new podcasters. Well, here's the deal. I came back from vacation and I'm like, okay, I'm still not quite yet into work mode and I needed to start moving forward with content. And so I had this question, do I go back to the kind of content that I was creating where I could talk about things that I'm passionate about that may or may not be related to podcasting, or do I stick with giving people what some people want, which is a show that is, I guess what you would say is genuine to its title, content that is genuine to the title of the podcast, title being Podcast Answer Man, so podcast content here that is answering people's questions related to podcasting. What happened was I decided to go the easy route. And the easy route was to just pull those questions and just hit the record button and knock out a couple of those things. And that's what I've done. If you look at episodes 409 through 418, every episode back-to-back, very tightly edited, And not only are they very tightly edited and to the point, but they're all related. Every topic of every episode is pretty much related to podcasting and the technical side of podcasting. And a few things happened as a result of episodes 409 through 418. First and foremost, the content was massively appealing to those who are just getting started with a podcast. In fact, I was getting a significant amount of feedback from people I'd never heard of before brand new podcasters who were saying, wow, this is absolutely awesome. It came to me just in time. I'm just launching my podcast and this has been life-changing. I mean, you've helped me in ways I can't even begin to explain. So I started getting feedback from a few folks like that pretty consistently over those weeks. However, the second thing that I noticed that was happening is that I was losing my passion for the content that I was creating. I love helping people launch their podcasts and I have gotten to the place where I've helped so many people and I've answered the same questions over and over and over again that, to be honest with you, I kind of get bored of answering the question of what is an insert cable and what's the tip and the ring and which one goes into the input of a MDX 4600 compressor limiter gate, which one comes out. And what microphone, what's the difference between a dynamic microphone and condenser microphone? Why do you use a Roland recorder instead of one that has XLR inputs? And all of these questions, there are, I mean, endless questions. And I I have answers to every single one of them. But the reality is, is that I've answered every single one of those questions hundreds of times. And so it gets kind of boring to keep talking about the technical stuff. Now, here's the deal. I still have tons of free content. If you go back in the archives, I mean, I'm on episode 421. We're talking hundreds of episodes of Podcast Answer Man, and it's very easy to find what you're looking for when it comes to all of those answers. I've already covered them, and many times, actually, if you look at episodes 409 through 418, each of those episodes had about three to five questions in each episode, and every single question in every episode has been addressed more than once in the archives of Podcast Answer Man. Not only that, but there are several of those questions that have specific tutorials that I've created for free on my website, and also the most detailed technical questions 
questions and their responses that take a lot of explanation. I have paid tutorials that are available for one-off purchases or they're automatically included in my all-inclusive podcasting A to Z course that gets you not only all my tutorials, but gets you four weeks with me as your personal coach. And the thing is, is I love podcasting A to Z. And the reason why I love podcasting A to Z and I love it more than one-on-one coaching is because, well, the technical aspects of answering all of your questions related to the technical stuff, I've already assigned those in pre-recorded, super high-quality step-by-step tutorials that have, I, I literally, instead of spending time answering off the top of my head answers to your questions, I've literally taken all of those questions and I spent literally hours and sometimes weeks developing tutorials where I give thorough responses. And when somebody asks me something new that hasn't been asked before, which doesn't happen very much in podcasting A to Z anymore, what happens is I'm like, oh, that is a great question. And I will spend maybe one, two, or even three or four hours creating a short little five to 10 minute tutorial that specifically answers that question, and then I give it to that student, but then I keep it in an archive for all my future students who might ask that. And so I have no problem creating technical answers to questions, but it's it's just not something week after week that I look forward to, and what happened was I started to lose passion for creating content for this show. Even though it was easy to create it, it was boring for me. And my great friend, David Foster, once told me, he says, Cliff, I don't need easy. I just need worth it. And uh, that's my friend, David Foster. He was a pastor. He passed away a couple years ago. He was such a dear friend of mine. And and that's one quote. And there are so many Fosterisms that I fell in love with. But that's one quote that has just stuck with me. I don't need easy. I just need worth it. I need me getting behind this microphone to be worth it. And to be quite honest with you, episodes 409 to 418, are they extremely valuable to new people? Yes. Were they super easy for me to produce? Yes. Were they worth it for me to do it? I could make the argument and I could try to force my, but long term, week after week, could I do it? No. It's just not worth it. I've already, it, it, it's, it's inefficient for me because, well, you know, if you're a brand new podcaster and you have a question, go to podcastanswerman.com first and look in the sidebar and look at the section where it says posts I most often refer to. And then also there's a little section on the sidebar that says uh, great way to browse my content. And look at the keywords, tons of keywords there. And click on keywords that you might be looking for. And if you don't find what you're looking for that way, then send me an email, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. And, you know, I'll, I'll see if I can link you up to some content that I've created that is related to that. And we'll go that way. But me creating the same stuff over and over again, my heart just wasn't in it. That's the second thing that I noticed from episodes 409 to 418. The third thing that I noticed, and this one is very important, is that I noticed that with the increased focus on the technical side of things, I was actually seeing fewer and fewer downloads each new week. And this is a trend from four, episode 409 all the way to 418, I started to notice that my, de- and this is the first time in a long time I've ever seen a decrease in the number of downloads, but I started to see people falling off. A majority of those who listen to my podcast, I would say 85, maybe even 90% of those who subscribe to Podcast Answer Man have a podcast already and have a successful podcast where they need no more assistance on what microphone, what equipment, how to hook it up. If they're doing podcast interview format, they've probably got 60 or 100 or even 200 episodes in the can already. These are the people who are subscribing. And I lost sight of that because of the very vocal minority of people who didn't like the fact that I wasn't covering new content related to the brand new podcaster every single week in Podcast Answer Man, I allowed myself to focus on that and change the format and the topics that I cover in the show, but I was losing people. Episodes 409, 418, it just wasn't there for me, but it just wasn't there for longtime podcasters who had come to enjoy something more from the show. And this came out in a conversation that I was having with Anna Charlotta. 
Now, Anna Charlotta is somebody, I think she's from Germany, and I met her at New Media Europe, and uh, she's been a listener for a very long time, and we've communicated in the past, but I got to meet her for the first time face-to-face at New Media Europe, and she made a point to talk to me about the recent episodes, and she had mentioned that she noticed a change, and she said, I kind of miss you talking about what's going on in your life and your business and your new goals and the things that you're approaching. I really miss that content. I mean, you've got some great content for the things that you've been talking about, but I really miss, I've noticed that you've changed over the last several episodes. And she's talking about 409 to 418, and she was right. And so Anna Charlotta got me to think a little bit further about the direction of Podcast Answer Man. Also, it reminded me of something that Michael Hyatt said to me several different times, but more specifically and most recently in an interview that I did here on Podcast Answer Man with Michael. This is Michael's quote. Listen to what he said. I'm going to click this play button here. Well, I've told you before, this is why I listen to your podcast. You know, it's not, it's not because I need more technical information on podcasting. Right now, I mean, the way I'm doing podcasting doesn't really require anything of me technically. I just listen to you because I like the way that you think about life how you approach the problems you're trying to solve and just your voice. So I, I, you could be talking about anything and I'd be interested. You, I've lost sight of that and I've regained my sight and my vision for this podcast moving forward. And Michael Hyatt, thank you for that quote. Anna Charlotta, thank you. And by the way, thank you to a lot of other people who reached out to me after episode 419. You see, four, episode 419 is different from episodes 409 to 418. Episode 419, I opened that episode with what I will call an opinion piece. And that's where I came and said, you know what, I want to talk about this thing that podcasts have been doing. They, they always bloat the front of their show with this begging of people, please rate my show on iTunes. It's the best way to help promote this podcast. And, you know, I just said, you know what, this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, and I got a little opinionated on it, and I shared my thoughts, and I said, no, that's not the wrong, quit, number one, quit doing it at the front of your show, and if you're going to do it, do it at the end of the show. And, you know, I shared that, and and then, of course, episode 419 was also four questions that will help you grow your business. And this was a result of just some conversations that I had with people at New Media Europe who said, you know, I'm, you know, I said, so how have you been doing? What have you been up to? Well, I'm just trying to grow my business. And when I asked them, what are you doing to grow your business? And it was all about just gaining more followers. And I'm like, you know what? Let me do a podcast episode where I give you four questions that are going to help you grow your business. And that is the kind of content that I love to create and I feel called to create. And episode 419 was more along the lines of of what I want this show to be. Here's what I can tell you about what I want to do with Podcast Answer Man moving forward. Number one, I'm going to focus the show's content on the things that I feel most passionate about. So I am going to bring more opinion pieces. I am going to bring topics that are related to things I'm learning in my own journey of building my business and the things that I'm experiencing in my own podcast creation, but even outside of podcast creation. And what I can tell you is that almost every episode will probably have something related to podcasting. However, it's not going to be a requirement of every single episode of this show. So, you know what? Uh, There's going to be a little bit of a balance. And the other thing that I notice is that in recent episodes of Podcast Answer Man and my other show, Pursuing a Balanced Life, I've actually been doing a bit of tight editing. And it's helped me to really cut down a lot on the somewhat just going off on tangents and stuff like that. Every now and then I'll go on a tangent and I'll ramble and I'm like way off point and I'm like, okay, that could be valuable and interesting to hear, but maybe not as interesting as I thought now that I listen to it as I'm editing. And I found several times that I've had episodes of Podcast Answer Man from episodes 409 all the way to episode 420 that were originally more than an hour and 15 minutes in length when I recorded them. But if you look back at the most recent episodes, some of them are as short as you know 32 or 38 minutes cutting out almost half the content because, well, I I just got off a little bit off topic. And so it has certainly added several hours to the podcast production 
process, but my shows sound better. And I think that I'm going to keep the tight editing, but I'm going to continue to move forward with the kind of content that I feel most led to share. Speaking of content I feel most led to share, I want to talk to you real quickly about my Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast. Now, this is a show that has radically transformed over the last several weeks as well. In fact, if you are not a subscriber to Pursuing a Balanced Life, I do want to encourage you to check it out. Even if you've checked out Pursuing a Balanced Life in the past, can I just beg of you to give it one more try? And I would suggest starting with episode 623. Now, the thing is, is that episode 623, 624, and 625 those three episodes, the most recent three episodes of Pursuing a Balanced Life, would technically be Podcast Answer Man episodes now with my new vision. Technically, those episodes are a better fit for Podcast Answer Man uh, than they, and, and that's the that's the conundrum that I have here. I have these two shows that really, if I think about the content that I feel led to create, I don't know why I have two different shows anymore, and, and that's something I do need to figure out. But what I can tell you is that for right now, pursuing a balanced life is extremely valuable. If you're already an existing podcaster and you happen to have a bent towards building products and services or monetizing or building a business, things like that, if you are looking for the productivity and time management kind of things, getting a good plan of where you want to go in life, then pursuing a balanced life and specifically episodes 623, 624, 625 are something I encourage you to check out. Let me just tell you what they are real quick. Episode 623 is my full review of the book called The One Thing, and I think it's by Gary Keller. I went through and shared most of the highlights that I made in this book, and I read the highlight from the book and then gave you my thoughts after having thought about and processing through my mind uh, what I read in that book. And it is the most powerful and most wonderful book review I've ever done. And so that's episode 623, my full review of the book, The One Thing. Episode 624 is basically me sharing with you what I want my life to look like over the next 10 to 20 years. That is the result of asking myself four or five questions that were inspired by the book, The One Thing. Specifically, how much money do I want to make in 10 to 20 years from now? How do I want to be known or what do I want to be known for? What do I want my life to look like? What kind of things am I doing on a daily basis? What do I do for work? What What is my day look like? And what is it that drives me? Those are the questions that I asked myself and I forced myself to spend about a week thinking about that and then specifically writing down those answers on my whiteboard. I have a giant whiteboard. And well, episode 624, titled, What Do I Want My Life to Look Like in 10 to 20 Years? I read to you everything I wrote in response to those questions. That, my friends, episode 624, is by far one of the most valuable podcast episodes I think I've ever recorded. Certainly within the top five out of over 3,300 podcast episodes. All right? And then episode 625, this most recent episode, is called My New Mission Statement. And I basically just share with you what my revised mission statement is now that I have answered those questions. And I'm just going to encourage you to go over to Pursuing a Balanced Life, episodes number 623, 624, and 625. Check it out. All right. Uh, Speaking of technical things related to podcasting, a correction to something that I've said back in episode 419. Remember I told you the best way to uh, promote your podcast is not to get ratings and reviews, and I told you that technically it's all by downloads? I was wrong, and I want to clarify that and correct that here. Recently, I was invited to be a guest on episode 66 of a show called Today in Podcasting, which, by the way, Today in Podcasting is a show that was fairly popular and very consistent from February 2006 through February 2008. So for two years, this was kind of the go-to podcast if you wanted to hear people talk about things related to podcasting. 
here in 2015, they fired it up one more time to do one episode, and they invited me to join them. And I was happy to join Gary Leland, Rob Walsh, and also Paul Colligan, who are all regulars uh, from the earliest days of that particular podcast. And we got to talking about iTunes rankings, and I want to play for you a clip because this is something that I know many of you are very interested in knowing, and Rob broke it down and gave me some insight that I did not necessarily know before, and certainly I think you guys are going to be interested in hearing this. So have a listen to this conversation we were having. People saying that the best way to help promote my show is for you to go and give me a rating and review in iTunes. How important is that in the rankings? I've launched several people into the top 10 of iTunes who have never gotten a review. Paul and I can tell you, we've looked at the numbers, we've done some experiments. The top 200 in iTunes is based on the number of new subscribers. And Gary and I and Derek from Skepticality did this in 2005. It's based on the number (laughs) of new subscribers in the last week with a weighted average for 24, 48, and 72 hours. And it was, Gary, you drove up the Polish language podcast to number one in iTunes by running a script. And back in the day when the script was yeah. broken, you could hit subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe. It yeah. just happened overnight. Yeah. It just kept happening as we left for work that day. All the computers were subscribing and unsubscribing. Yeah, there was a point in time when Gary, I, and Derek were like the only ones that knew this little secret because when iTunes first launched, and we, were like, we weren't telling anybody. And then some, somebody on the, was it the Dig forums broke the news, and then the Apple fixed it. So it's not the downloads at all. It's the subscribes. It's a subscribe. Top 200 list is the number of new subscribers in the last seven days with a weighted average of 24, 48, and 72 hours. The actual algorithm is D1 times 4 plus D2 times 3 plus D3 times 2 plus D4 plus D5 plus D6 plus D7 divided by 13. And if you run that algorithm on the over the total number of subscribers you get, it actually works out. And we've actually proved that when they... When the apps launched in the App Store, I took my app downloads and ran that algorithm on it because back in the day, the app algorithm was the same as the podcast algorithm. And we were able to take the data and show that, yeah, that matched up exactly with what what the downloads were for the app. So there you go. Now, (laughs) if you're like me, the first time I heard that, I'm like, hmm, okay, so definitely I know that it's not downloads. It's number of subscribers. And then everything else that he said, especially when he started rattling off the algorithm, it when I was listening to it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to go back and get the recording and listen to that again. And here's what he's saying. So basically, uh, if you want to know how they do the ranking in the top 200 of each of the categories in iTunes, it is not based upon your ratings and reviews. It is based upon the number of new subscribers within the last seven days. Here's the algorithm that what he was saying. He says, what you do is you consider day one being the most recent 24 hours. You take the number of subscribers here on day one and you multiply that number by four. Then on day two, you take that number of new subscribers and multiply it by three. And on day three, you take that number of new subscribers and multiply it by two and add that number to the number of new subscribers on day four, the number of new subscribers on day five, and the number of new subscribers on day six and seven, add all of those numbers together and divide it by 13, and that gives you the number of new subscribers with a weighted average for the first few days. That total number is exactly the algorithm that iTunes is using to rank your podcast. This is something that Rob says that they've been able to demonstrate and prove and test, and it makes a lot of sense. So it actually has nothing to do with downloads. And from what I understand, the category top ranking has nothing to do with ratings and reviews. Ratings and reviews actually help in your search results for keywords and phrases, the relevance of search results. But when it comes to these top 200, from what I'm hearing, This is the algorithm. Anyway, I thought that this would be valuable information to know for those of you who are eager to understand the way that your show is ranked. And so if you want to know how to rise in the rankings, then the idea is to drive new subscribers to your podcast using the Apple Podcasts app or the iTunes podcast app on their desktop. 
those are the ways to generate new subscribers. And one of the other things that came out in the episode was that it doesn't take a lot of new subscribes to move you up the list. So what happens is people are actually telling their audience to go leave ratings and reviews. And what's happening is people are actually responding to that request. And these are people who have been using other apps. They haven't been using iTunes. They haven't been using the podcasts app. And these are listeners who are going. And let's just say if you were to get 10 people from your audience this week to go and leave you a rating and review in iTunes or in the podcasts app, if they go and do that, if just one, two, or even three of those people decide to actually click the subscribe button in that software for the very first time, that, my friends, is what's causing you to jump up in the rankings. It's not the actual written review or the rating that they give you. Little bit of insight that I thought I'd bring to you. I hope that's been valuable. Well, hey, my friends, I have an interview that I did with my great friend, Ray Edwards. We're going to talk about selling things and being more effective in doing that. But before I do, let me just give you one real quick plug. My podcasting A to Z course coming up Monday, October 26th. If you are out there and you are getting ready to launch a podcast and you would like to have access to every single tutorial that I've ever created, not only that, but I give them to you in an order that makes sense, that walks you through the step step process of launching your show and also giving you access to me as your personal coach for an entire four-week period of time, then head over to podcastinga2z.com today. My next session, again, starts Monday, October 26th. This will be the final session for 2015, and it is also the final opportunity to get in at the current price because in 2016, the price is going up. So again, head over to podcastinga2z.com for more information. If you have any questions about the course, you can email me cliff at podcastanswerman.com. And without any further ado, here is my interview with my great friend, Ray Edwards. Ray, how are you, my friend? I am fabulous, Cliff. How are you? I have never been better, and it does get better every single day somehow. It's hard to stand, but I'm willing to try. <laughs> so we are going to be talking today. We, the, the, my favorite thing about talking with you, Ray, is there are so many different topics that we could talk about, and I think it just adds so much value. But one thing that you are known for in this world, and it's really not the thing I know you for most, but uh, it is this thing called copywriting. First of all, what is copywriting? Well, the confusion that first comes up is a lot of people think we're talking about protecting your intellectual property. Okay. So sometimes, sometimes people will find out I'm a copywriter and they'll say, oh, I've got a book I wrote. Can you help me get that copyrighted? Obviously, that's not what we're talking about here. No, we're not no. talking about that. Although, by the way, if anybody's worried about that, as soon as you've written, it is copywritten. Yeah. And that's what I always tell. I always tell them, well, I have good news. It's already protected by the copyright laws. You don't have to do a thing. Yes. And right. they, they usually don't believe me, but copywriting in, in the aspect of what we're talking about is really writing words that sell. And the, thank goodness for the show Mad Men, which I actually did not like very much. I thought it was kind of a dark show, but a lot of people love it. And I can usually use the shorthand explanation. I can say, well, you know what the copywriters did on Mad Men? How they wrote those ads. They came up with those ad campaigns. Yeah, I know what that is. That's what we're talking about, writing the words that sell. There was a great copywriter from a long time ago that said copywriting is just salesmanship in print. Copywriting is salesmanship in print. When I think of copywriting, the first thing that comes to my mind is those incredibly long and super annoying in your face, trying to manipulate you with every single possible psychological tactic in the world on a web page that if you were to print it out would be about three to five reams of paper. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called a long form or something like that. Yes, long form sales. We call it a sales letter. And the reason is those are based on the old school method of when you used to send those in direct mail. They would come to your mailbox and you would get it in an envelope and it would be a letter that would be like seven to 10 pages long. And it would usually be selling you a subscription to something. And that was called a sales letter. And then somebody back in the 90s, as the web began to become popular, came up with the idea that, hey, we could just take those long form sales letter and put them on a web page. 
And then they started thinking, well, why not do all the tricks that we do with long form sales letters in real life? And we'll start marking them up with blue and red ink and yellow highlights, which always kind of made me skeptical because I thought, well, we all know that nobody actually highlighted or wrote on this sales letter because it's showing up on my computer screen. So that's ridiculous. But the truth of the matter is they worked really well for a long time and they don't work nearly as well as they, they did once upon a time. And you're right. A lot of a lot of people who still use that, we call them the yellow highlighter crowd. Um, a lot of people who still use that kind of sales copy on the internet, they still make money. It's not as effective as it used to be, but most people are, as you pointed out, annoyed by that kind of copy now. And so it's really not a good approach. I think before we go into a little bit more into copywriting and its value for us, I'd like to talk about sales for just a moment. It, it's surprising to me the number of people who, let's just say, are transitioning from a day job and they're trying to build something on the side that generates a little bit of income. And for the most part, I found people, they seem to want to get to a place where they can just create content and that they become so popular that they have hundreds of thousands of downloads every single month or even every week for some of them. And they want to just sell a couple advertising sponsorships and that's how they want to generate all their income. When you start talking about creating valuable products and services and actually creating a business where your podcast is really just a tool for people to get to know, like, and trust you so that they feel comfortable buying from you, I find that a lot of people who have the ability to create a business where they have products and services struggle with the idea of selling something to people. They they feel like for some reason, if they have something to sell, selling is a bad thing. Where does that mindset come from? Do you have any I, thoughts on that? I, I know that's a prevalent mindset. And I think it, very much it comes from old school sales training. There was a book, I won't name the book, but there was a book that was written about selling. It was very popular. It still is actually. And the first chapter of the book, the person who wrote it describes how he really became good at selling when he learned to look at his prospects as if they were a bag of groceries. And that just feels all kinds of wrong to me. Um, And I think it does to most people. And so that's what we sense when we're being sold to in a pushy or manipulative way. That's what we feel like. We feel like a commodity that people are buying and selling and we don't like it at all. And I have a whole different attitude about sales. And in fact, if you want to to really dig into this uh, just philosophically about how the right way to sell is, I really suggest a book by Bob Berg. It's called The Go-Giver. And it's all about how we're really, if we want to succeed in life, we start by giving value. And the first part of that is what a lot of bloggers and podcasters and online content creators already have. They have great content. They're giving value, but they expect to be discovered. It's like the musician who goes to Nashville and has this uh, fantasy that if I just play my guitar and play my songs on the sidewalk, somebody in the music business will hear me and I'll be discovered and then I'll become famous. And it just doesn't work that way. There's too much competition for those famous slots. So I think you have to be a little bit more proactive about it. And the truth is, we're all selling every day of our lives all the time. We're selling people on an idea. We're selling people on the uh, thought about where we want to go have dinner, whether we want to have dinner out or dinner in the house, or on uh, hiring us for a job, on letting us have admission into a certain school. That's all selling as well. And I like what Zig Ziglar said about selling. He says two things. First of all, he says that selling is the most noble profession on earth. And the second thing he said about selling is that selling is merely the transference of enthusiasm about your product from you to the person you're talking to. Yeah. And that's my approach to selling it. I come from a sales background myself, spending 11 years in selling insurance, auto, home, life, health, business. And... I remember attending several sales training seminars and I went away for a two-week program once and I learned techniques there, Ray, that were just, I felt like I needed to take a shower at every little break that they gave because it just seemed so sleazy. I mean, literally, I've learned a couple of tactics in a face-to-face selling scenario where I could by changing the position of where I'm sitting and getting into somebody's personal space that I'm almost guaranteed that they'll sign on the line to buy an insurance product from me. And I remember learning all of that stuff and saying, you know what, if that's what it takes to succeed, I will quit this business. 
Yep. And of course, that's not why I left that business. In fact, I took everything that I learned there and vowed never to do it and find a different way to approach it and ended up actually having more success than everybody else that went through that course. But I do love to sell. And here's why I love to sell. I love to sell because as a man of integrity, I only want to sell something that I know and believe with every fiber of my being is going to make someone else's life better and provide value in some way, shape, or form. I can't do it otherwise. And if I believe in the product or service that I'm selling, I'm of the thought and the opinion that if I don't sell this to them, and even if it's not something like, they're, they're, for example, one of the things that I've been selling lately is not something that generates income for me. I'm trying to sell people especially those listening to this podcast, those people who are working 12 to 14 hours a day. My number one thing that I'm trying to sell right now is this idea of working out six days a week, every single week for the rest of your life. And it's working because I bought that idea from you. I didn't pay money for it, but I bought into the idea. And that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. We're selling all the time. Exactly. So selling is good. I think there's a lot we can learn how to, to be more effective in helping people find the products and services and coming to the decision of buying those products and services that will help take their life to the next level. Now, Ray, I have always relied on my communication through my words. I, I was a face-to-face sales guy for so many years. And then, you know, I found that I have a true love and joy for getting behind a microphone and sharing my passion with the world. And that shared enthusiasm sells other people on different things. But I struggle with the written word when it comes to sitting down and forcing myself to come up with some method of convincing somebody with words on buying something. So tell us how can copywriting help and what are some tips on on making that more effective for those of us who struggle in this area? Well, it's a great question and there's a couple of answers I think that'll be helpful to you and to listeners who are struggling with the same thing. And the first one is, the first answer is you already know how to sell. You do it naturally when you're talking about your fitness, for instance. You just naturally sell that idea. Why? Because you're enthusiastic about it. You're informed about it. You know what you're talking about. You understand the motivations that cause you to work out six days a week. And you understand the reasons why you think it would be beneficial to other people to do the same thing. So there's no disconnect morally. There's no internal conflict inside of you going, well, I want them to buy this, but it feels wrong of me to get them to buy it. When you have that internal conflict, whether it's real, whether it's accurate or not, it's going to stop your ability to sell. And so, first of all, you've got to get straight about, is this congruous with who I am and what I believe? And if it is, then that means that you're selling something that benefits other people. You're, you're attempting to convince them to do something that's in their best interest. And I think that's the only way we can sell with integrity. And in fact, Seth Godin had a great definition about the difference between manipulation and persuasion. And he says that manipulation is what happens when you later regret the decision that you made. And persuasion is what happens when you later celebrate the decision that you made. And so part of it is intent. You have good intent for the other person. Now it's possible, let's stop and think about this for a minute. Is Is it possible for me to have great intent, but have the wrong idea? Well, of course it is. I mean, sometimes we're misguided and we have the wrong idea. So we have to understand that Uh, Just because we believe in something passionately, it doesn't mean that we're always right. So we need to investigate that closely and make sure that we're certain of what we're uh, espousing to other people. Then the next step is, you said you struggle with the written word. So I would say, this is one of the things that I try to teach my copywriting students. I tell them, don't write as if you're writing, write as if you're speaking. And I had the brilliant, uh, what I call a BFO, a blinding flash of the obvious one day. And I realized, well, if I want them to write like they're speaking, why not just have them speak and we'll record it and have it transcribed. Oh, I love that. One of the the best ways you can get a good sales presentation down into words on paper or on a screen is to sit down with somebody who's a friend of yours and enthusiastically describe to them your product or your service or whatever you're trying to sell and let them ask you questions. Let them, if just tell them, you're just free to interrupt me if you have a question, stop me and say, wait a minute, Cliff. Uh, I don't know if I buy that idea. Why do you think that's true? And just forget about the recorder and just have a conversation with your friend. And when you look at the transcription, you'll find that 70 to 80% of your writing is done. Nice. I like that. 
And it all sounds like you. It doesn't sound like some weird version of you that tried to be a salesperson. And it's one thing to have this great ethos, this feeling of, I just want to help people. I just want to serve people. I want to give great content. And I, I hope they will naturally decide to buy from me. And the fact of the matter is, if you're not providing them with a path that leads to the decision to buy or not buy, then you're not going to have the amount of sales that you probably want and need. So one mistake that people make is they make it all about technique. They make selling all about technique. I'll learn all these tricks about how to hold my body and about you know, what to say to people that, so they can manipulate them and doing what I want them to do, ask them certain questions, you know, and tie them down to a certain position and back them into a corner and get them to buy. And that's all technique and it's all slimy and filthy and you don't want to do that. On the other hand, the other approach is I'll just be a good guy. I'll give away plenty of free stuff and people will love me so much they'll buy from me. That is also a mistake because usually people won't buy from you. So what's the middle way? Well, the middle way is you start with the ethical concern about serving people and serving people only, whether they buy from you or not. And then you learn actual skills about how to communicate the value that you offer in such a way that people are persuaded to consider buying from you. And I always tell people this, when I'm writing copy, I, I do want to bring people to a decision point, but I don't, I'm not motivated by, I want to get them to say yes. I'm just motivated by getting them to a place where they can say yes or no. And right. either, either answer is fine, whatever's right for them, but I want them to make a decision because most of us don't make decisions. We avoid decisions like crazy. So that's why it's important that you write and you use a structure and a framework and a technique, if you will, that brings people to that point. And I think of myself as the shepherd that leads them there and I'm protecting them. I'm taking care of their best interest. I just want them to make a decision. I like that. It does come down to the fact that we can be the nice guy, we can provide all this value, and we can have products and services, but we can't just assume that people are going to know about those products and services, or even if they know them, we can't just assume that they're going to make that logical decision of saying, I should sign up for that. Sometimes folks, like you said, just need to have the opportunity to say yes or no to be faced with the decision. If they're not faced with the decision, the the thought of having that decision really doesn't come up. It's like, oh yeah, I know Cliff has that A to Z course. But when I come to a podcast episode or if I'm writing an email to my mailing list and say, hey guys, my next course is coming up. Would you like to sign up? If so, please click the link below. Well, that's exactly right. And I know that many people have had the experience of giving and giving and giving and wondering, you know, why doesn't anybody buy? I put a link in my sidebar to my product. I, I did send an email that had a link to the product. And yet so often I go to the page where the product is being offered for sale and there's no, there's no rationale for why you should buy it. What's the benefit to my buying it? And we presume that people are going to think through that whole process and figure it, figure it out on their own. And I say, we're, we're all too busy for that. You need to help me make the decision. You need to provide me with the benefits of your product and why it's right for me. And you need to answer what my what are my most likely questions about the product. You need to show me that it's worked for you, it's worked for other people, and the reasons why I should go ahead and make the purchase now, and then invite me to make a purchase decision. And you don't have to be pushy or sleazy or slimy about it. In fact, I have a little acronym that I use that you can use to structure a quick sales message. And it's not like, this won't make you the master of all copywriting, but it will give you a, just a framework to use to write your next sales message and I could share that in about three minutes if you'd like. Is it Pastor? It is. I, I would love to hear it. I've heard it before because I've heard you speak several times on this, but uh, I, I do love this, this acronym. So go ahead and share it with our audience here. So it's Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R. And it's not about being a preacher. It's about being a shepherd. That's the original meaning of that word. And what does the shepherd do? The shepherd cares for and protects the sheep. Now, we know that you know later the sheep may end up being dinner, but while they're in the care of the pastor... <laughs> They're protected. And, you know, most people who are in that profession develop a love and an adoration for the uh, flock that they're protecting. So if you think of your customers, your readers, your listeners as the flock, and your job is to protect them as, as a shepherd, you have a whole different attitude towards selling. And the letters of the word pastor stand for the outline of how you can write a message to them about making a buying decision. P stands for the person and the problem that they face. So you acknowledge who they are. You get a real picture in your, in your mind of who you're writing to, what their life situation is like, and the problem that is plaguing them that your product solves. What's the pain that this problem causes them? Maybe the pain is they're physically out of shape and they're really beginning to notice it, both in terms of their appearance and how they feel overall. 
and you describe the problem and you let them know that, yes, I understand what your problem is. I, in fact, I'd like you to take a look at what will happen if you don't solve that problem. That leads to the A in pastor, which is for amplify the results of not solving the problem. In other words, you're showing them, well, what's the cost of just doing nothing? What's the cost of just keeping on doing what I've been doing? Because there will be a cost eventually. And it's not manipulative. It's I think it's doing people a service because if I'm, uh, for instance, selling people on a program where I help them stop smoking, um, they need to understand the consequences of continuing to smoke cigarettes. Right, and the right. consequences are horrible. Now, you don't necessarily want to, to inv- indulge in any kind of you know gross fear-mongering, but you need to let them know heart disease and cancer are probably in your future. That's not manipulation. That's just reality. That's amplifying the consequences of not solving the problem. Again, we are creatures that are great at denial and we will deny the reality of what might happen to us if we don't change our behavior or change the way we're approaching a certain situation. So it's fair. It's good. It's in your service for somebody to point that out to you. The S in pastor stands for the story and the solution. And usually I recommend that you write what your story is because you're normally sharing something that you've faced and overcome yourself. So tell that story. Like you do a great job of telling the story of your fitness journey and how you've had ups and downs and challenges and where that all came from. And then what you've done to overcome it and why you tell that whole story. And I'm telling you, every time I, every time I hear you say that stuff, when you tell that story, it gets me all over again. It fires me back up. It makes me recommit to my own fitness goals because of the story that you tell. And you know, if you sold a product about fitness, I would buy it. Yeah. But you don't, you're just selling an idea, which by the way, I said, just selling an idea. I should remove the word just ideas change history. Yes. And even if you never want to charge people a dollar for what you're doing, I bet you want to change the world in some important way. And if you want to do that, you need to learn how to communicate. Think about the the world changers who had this communication thing mastered. They were selling ideas. Martin Luther King was selling an idea. President John Kennedy was selling an idea that we would go to the moon and you can make your own list of people who were selling these ideas that changed history. So that's your solution is your idea. And then T in pastor stands for testimony. That's just offering proof that it not only works for you, the solution works for you, but it works for other people. Here are stories of people who've done the same thing. And you, you offer your own testimony on your social media accounts where you show pictures of yourself. I mean, that, there's that amazing picture where you're standing inside the old pants you used to wear. Yep. Just yep. like, well, there could be two of Cliff in there now uh, because he's shrunk so much. And, uh, you know, the, there's that picture where you showed the, the muscle, where you have the muscle definition on your arm where you're flexing your muscle. That, that one inspired me is like, I need to start lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Um, see, that's, that's the power of persuasion. Absolutely. For my benefit. And then O is, is the offer. This is what you're, it's, it's basically saying, this is what I have to sell if you're going to sell a product or a service. And while you do need to talk about, well, if I'm a copywriter that I'm going to sell you, uh, I'm going to write a blog post and, I'm going to write a show notes summary for you each week. And I'm going to write an email a week for your list. Like the the person was talking with you about, you ultimately decided that was not for you, but that was the offer they were making. Yeah. And whatever you're selling, just remember that the offer is really not about the deliverables. Like that was a list of deliverables, but what the real offer was is I will, I will provide you with a way to express in your voice things that will cause more people to engage with you and buy from you. So you're, you're really selling the result. If, if it's fitness, you're not selling a bunch of DVDs and a wall chart and a meal planner. What you're selling is the transformation from flabby to fit, from looking like the Pillsbury Doughboy to having that six-pack set of abs that make people look at you and say, what have you been doing? That's, you're selling that transformation. Is that and the R then, result? The R is the result. It's, the, it's actually two R's. It's the result and the request for an action. So you're selling the result and then you're, you're asking for them to take an action. You're asking for a response. And the response could be, well, click here and sign up for my A to Z course or call this number for a free consultation or whatever it is, whatever the next step is you want them to take. And that whole process, if you just write based on that acronym, the P-A-S-T-O-R acronym, then you'll write probably the best sales message you've ever written. And it'll sound less like sales copy than anything you've ever written as well. I love it. So, Ray, here's one thing I know about you is that you have a copywriting course. Who is the person that you are trying to reach with this copywriting course and what is their problem? Well, the person is an entrepreneur or a content creator or service provider who knows they need to write sales copy 
but they probably hate the idea of writing sales copy or they've tried writing it before and it felt like it didn't work or they've spent a lot of money on a fancy copywriter and they wound up with something they were even so ashamed of. They wouldn't even use it. Um, and they, so they know they need to solve this problem, but they don't know how they don't know, even know where to start. And they want to find someone who can teach them an ethical way to sell from a heart centered position that doesn't make them seem like a slime ball. Okay. Yes, that that's who it's for. All right. So this course, by the way, what's the name of the course? It's the copywriting Academy. The Copywriting Academy. And what would be the results of somebody who fits that description of who they are and they have that problem? And what would be the results if they did not basically learn how to be more effective with their sales copy and to do it with integrity? Well, there, there, used, to be, there used to be an ad campaign that ran and it said, um, a terrible thing happens when you don't ac- advertise. Nothing. And the point was, if you don't advertise and market, you don't make any sales. And so I think the cost of not learning how to express your sales message in an ethical, persuasive, and yet um, heart-centered way, the, the cost of that is you won't get people to buy your products. People won't buy your services. They won't buy your ideas. They won't buy into your cause. I mean, this is important for not only for people who are selling products and services, but for people who are selling causes, I, um, who are selling ideas, belief systems, trying to convince people of something. It works for all of those instances. And the cost is you just don't get your message across. You don't, you don't, you're not able to have the impact on the world that you know you're supposed to have. As far as story and solution, tell me, is this going to be your story that you tell with this? Somebody else's story? Somebody that you've helped with copywriting and what solution you're offering? Well, it's, it's all the above. I mean, I started out writing copy when I was in the radio business. I started at the age of 14. And as I grew in the business, I learned that there were people who were really good at this copywriting thing. And I began studying all the old direct response marketing and copywriting guys. And I bought all the courses and we've all seen these copywriting courses. They're extraordinarily expensive and usually confusing. And often they teach things that are contrary, at least for me, many of them teach things that are contrary to my beliefs. Like I just won't manipulate people. Uh, I won't say that I never did because early on in the past, I thought, oh, this is how you do it. And I did it and I felt weird about it. And I realized, oh, this is not right. Uh, So I I learned by trial and error. I made some mistakes. So what I've done is I've created a course, a system, if you will, that anyone, if you can write a Facebook post, you can write copy. And so I walk people through, we use the PASTOR acronym. I have another framework that we use called the buyer's journey. And then I walk you through step-by-step how to write copy that actually makes sales. And, you know, I've had the good fortune of writing for some pretty famous people, some, uh, a lot of New York Times bestselling authors seems to be who I wound up writing the most for. People like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and uh, different people of a lot of fame. And then some people you probably have never heard of, but I've, I've had the honor of being part of, I won't claim that I had 100% responsibility for this, but I had a big role in helping sell $100 million worth of products and services online. So I know a little something about this and I've translated that into something that anybody can do. If you follow along, we make it as fill in the blanks as possible. I mean, we can't make it all fill in the blanks because I don't know what your business is, but I can walk you through the process and that's what we do step by step. And by the time you go through the whole course, you've actually written your sales copy. You've written the emails that are needed to help promote your sales copy and communicate with your with your readers, your listeners, and so forth. And we've given you a system for using it over and over again so that you can not only write persuasive sales copy, but you can write persuasive blog posts. You can write persuasive outlines for your podcasts or any communication that you're making that's attempting to persuade somebody to do something or to buy into an idea. And as far as your testimony, I know you've obviously just shared your experience and part of your story, but there is one particular I think item that would go well with the testimony part of this, of giving this as an example. Tell us about what you told me in the Green Room Mastermind uh, that we'd done where somebody hired somebody else to kind of update copy, spent lots of money, and the results of that. So the story was this. I had written some copy for a gentleman who uh, I worked with for a long time on different copywriting projects, and I happened to call him recently and asked him, um, how that copy had done, how it had performed. I, I was looking for what are some results that you were able to get with copy that I wrote? Because frankly, I knew that I was going to be putting together this course and I wanted some case studies to be able to share with people. And he said, well, I can look that up. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, this one piece of copy that you've written for us uh, has generated $10 million in sales. 
And Cliff, the first thing I realized is I really should have charged him more money. <laughs> Absolutely. And that always gets a chuckle, but I'm serious. Um, he made a lot of money with that copy. But the thing that really uh, knocked my socks off and, and humbled me really was, he said, you know, I've hired several different A-list people in the copywriting field to try and beat that copy because that's what you do in the direct response business. You, you have a piece of copy that's the winning piece of copy. It's the most uh, successful at selling that you have so far. And you hire other copywriters to try and beat what's called the control piece. And that's how companies ladder up the level of success and sales that they're able to get. So the contest among copywriters is, can I beat this guy's control? And he's hired several top copywriters and he said, nobody has been able to touch your copy. Your copy is the champion. Nice. That it, is awesome. It's uh, it's pretty humbling. It's kind of embarrassing uh, in a little, in a, in a way because it feels like bragging. But then again, as Mark Twain said, it ain't bragging if you really done it. <laughs> I love that. All right. So what is the offer with the Copywriting Academy? What are the results people are going to get? Well, you're going to be able to write copy that sells your product or service without feeling salesy. I put it this way. You can write copy that sells without having to sell your soul. And you'll be proud of it. You'll feel good about it. It'll get results for you. It'll bring more money into your bank account. I can't guarantee any amount of money because I, you know, I don't know your product or your service or your market or anything like that. But I can tell you that it'll get better results than whatever you're doing now. And not only do you go through the course and write your own copy, but you, you develop the skill of being able to do this over and over again. And what I tell people is for me, copywriting has really been like the ability to print money on demand. And I know, I know how cheesy that sounds. But I can't tell you the number of times in our family we've decided, well, we want to take this vacation and it's going to cost, you know, $15,000 to go do all these things we want to do. We don't have that in the budget. What shall we do? And I would say, well, I will come up with a promotion. I will write the copy for it and send it out to my email list and we'll see if we can generate enough money to do that very thing that we want. And it's never failed to work for us. So if that's not money on demand, I don't know what is. Yeah. I've actually been able to do that with my own mailing list. In fact, that's how podcasting A to Z got started originally was that I needed money to go on a cruise for myself and my entire family. And I needed $16,000 within two months. And at the time, that was a lot of money. I needed it within the next couple of weeks. And, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I came to our mastermind group and they said, hey, what about this idea of a course? And so I, I, I did that and I'm like, hmm, okay, so I'm going to build this course out. This is what the offer is going to be. This is what the results are going to be. And then I went to my mailing list and then I forced myself to copyright the sales letter to my mailing list. And within the next three and a half weeks, I made $16,000. Yeah. And, and exactly like what you said. And of course, today, the, the course is significantly more expensive and it generates a whole lot more income. Uh, than that. So yes, absolutely. The results, I can tell you from experience, when you do sit down and force yourself to talk to the people, explain the problem that you're solving, you amplify the results of what would happen if they tried to do it on their own or not perf even move forward at all. Tell your story, share your solution, share the testimonies of how you've benefited yourself or helped others, give them the offer Tell them what the results are going to be and then a request for a response. And, and so what is the request for response? Obviously, Ray, I believe we've already given people this pastor acronym. I think if you just take that acronym and start using that in your approach to communicating the products and services you have, that's going to be valuable in and of, of itself. But if people want to take this to the next level and they want to know more about the Copywriting Academy, please, what is the response? What is it that they should do? You should just go to the following web address and you'll get uh, a lot of free material that expands on what we've talked about here that you can honestly take and use to make more money, make more sales, win people over to your ideas. And we'll invite you at some point to become part of the Copywriting Academy. But if it's not right for you, I have no problem with that because I, I feel like I want to provide value to people even in my marketing. I don't want anybody to read any marketing from me that they didn't get value from. So we provide tons of value up front. And then if you feel like you need to be part of the Academy, then we'd love to have you be part of that. And you can find all that by going to rayedwards.com forward slash cliff. Awesome. rayedwards.com slash cliff. Just so you guys know, full disclosure, I'm sure that probably has something to do with the slash cliff tracking for affiliate purposes and, and things like that. So I just want to let you know that ahead of time. Uh, and here's the deal. I know love 
and trust Ray Edwards. Otherwise, I would not have him on this show to promote this course. I know this man is an expert at copywriting and can help you take your sales to the next level. And so I, I highly encourage you to check it out. One of the things I love that you're doing is that if they go to rayedwards.com slash cliff, it's not immediately sign up now. You're going to give them the opportunity to see the value that you offer. What kind of content can they expect over the next couple of weeks if they sign up over there at rayedwards.com slash cliff? We've got uh, three different training videos that we're releasing, and they are not disguised sales pitches. They are actual content that you can use. There'll be exercises for you to go put into practice. And then we're also going to have a training webinar. And then at, after we have the webinar, there'll be the opportunity to join the academy if you want to. And if you don't want to, if you just get what you need from the free material and you go make a bunch of money, a bunch of sales, or you convince a lot of people of the idea or whatever your message is for the world, I, I would not, I could not be happier. I'm, I love what I do. I love helping people communicate their ideas and their messages and their stories in a better, more effective, more persuasive way. And if that's all I ever do for you, then I'll be a happy man. That's awesome. Friends, it's absolutely free to get the, that free content that he's talking about. Head over to rayedwards.com slash cliff. Sign up today. And also, because there's only going to be so many pieces of content that's going to come out so far apart from each other. If you listen to this podcast very often, and certainly if you listen to Pursuing a Balanced Life as well, my other podcast, then you've heard me mention Ray Edwards' name over and over again. And there is one podcast that when it comes out, it jumps to the top of the list of what I'm going to listen to next. It's the Ray Edwards Show. And I would encourage you to certainly go over and subscribe to his podcast as well. And you'll find out why this man is as highly respected in my mind and in my life as he is. And so, Ray, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your experience in copywriting and this acronym that I'm certain will help people put a formula around how to frame the things that they have to sell and how to share their enthusiasm for how they can help others with the products and services that they have. Well, thank you, my friend. It's been an honor as always. Helping you to get everything you do to the next level.